0: and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an emergency edition of the Slash Film Daily podcast. There was some big news this morning, and we want to get into it. Uh, with me on today's podcast are Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Huay Tran Bui.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And this is Peter Soretta. Uh, you know, if it's big news, it's probably big Star Wars news. HT, uh, you're at the news for the site. What do we know?
2: So, Lucasfilm has officially hired JJ Abrams to replace Colin Trevorrow as the director of Star Wars Episode Nine. Abrams is returning to the Star Wars franchise after having directed Star Wars: The Force Awakens in 2015, and he has been hired to write and direct. Uh, Star Wars Episode 9, he's going to be co-writing alongside Chris Terrio, who has written Batman v Superman and Argo. So this is Mm. big news, as you guys will know, because uh, Colin Trevorrow left the project uh, due to creative differences, allegedly uh, last week. Um, And uh, Star Wars Episode 9 was without a director for about a week. And we were uh, quite in a tizzy trying to figure out who would be the next director. So now it is officially Abrams returning to uh, the director's chair after having left to leave Ryan Johnson uh, for episode eight. And now he's back to finish the trilogy or the modern, the new trilogy of Star Wars. Yeah, and
1: we, we had speculated who would take this position. And we thought it was going to be Ryan Johnson. And apparently, Ryan Johnson turned it down. Or at least according to one of the reports. Um, which yes. is interesting because he said he would like to make another Star Wars movie. Maybe he's, uh, I- I've heard that he's been overworked. Or not overworked, but yeah. Yeah, he's just tired. Uh, so maybe he needs a break. Yeah, um, not too surprising. Yeah. So, uh, JJ, as director, uh, my first impression is this is the safe choice. You know, he's done it before. Bring him back. He can do it again. Um, and, you know, it, it, part of me is, like, glad that he's going to get to finish what he started. Uh, he's going to be able to bookend this trilogy. But on the other end of things, I don't quite believe that he planned anything out for this trilogy. I think J.J. is a great starter. He comes in and he writes a pilot episode that's amazing. And then people go with that and they cr- create their own thing, kind of like Lost. Mm-hmm. I don't... Uh, I don't think he had uh, an idea of where this trilogy was going to go. Uh, so I'm, that worries me. What, what about you guys?
2: Well, Abrams is both a safe choice and an unusual choice because he and Kathleen Kennedy allegedly butted heads uh, through the course of Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, over script rewrites, I think. And um, it's didn't seem likely that she would return to someone who she conflicted with before because of all the drama that has been going on for the past couple months with uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and uh, with Colin Trevorrow and the alleged uh, behind-the-scenes drama and conflicts that Kathleen Kennedy has been having with her Star Wars directors. But um, it seems that she and Abrams, you know, know each other's processes now, and they are willing to. Uh, she's willing to go for a safe choice, or at least a dependable director that she knows, uh, even if she has um, had clashes with him in the past.
3: I have to imagine that this bodes well for Ryan Johnson's *The Last Jedi* because. Abrams would not take this job if he thought that he was walking into a trap or walking into a bad situation. <laughs> um, he he is a smart guy. He realizes that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on whoever it was that was going to be finishing off this trilogy. And I have to think that he's read the script, seen, probably seen the movie at this point, because as far as I understand it, the movie is basically done at this point, uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah. So he... Um, he clearly has an idea of what to do and how to bring this together. He's not just coming in to direct it, he's also co-writing it. so I, I would like to think that he has probably had some thoughts about where the whole thing should end up, maybe even as early as when he was making the force awakens. And then he stepped away, let Ryan Johnson come on, and then now that the opportunity has presented itself, he's gonna just yeah, pick up the ball and and keep running with it. so i'm I'm sort of I feel like this is a good sign for the last jedi because it means that it's leaving the franchise in a place where abrams is comf- comfortable um you know picking up the ball again
1: yeah it it, it is strange too because i heard that jj abrams was had no interest in doing more star wars uh like i think Disney to give you an example, Walt Disney Imagineering wanted him to be involved with Star Wars Land, and after making Force Awakens, he was kind of like, "No, I'm done. You know, I made my (laughs) Star Wars movie. I'm I'm out." Uh, And um, you know, I I think making a Star Wars movie is incredibly stressful <laughs> and I, th- I think he was happy with what he made and he he uh, but they must have offered him something and, and you mentioned uh conflicts i know there was some scripts conflicts there was some um i think early on like he wanted bad robot to be the production company for all three of the the Star Wars trilogy and yeah I heard uh, that too. Yeah, Lucasfilm pushed back and Kathleen Kennedy pushed back on that. There were some conflicts. So, uh, I don't know, I just didn't think it was going to come back. Uh we should probably address one of the big things that one of the big criticisms everybody is probably saying that did not like Force Awakens or had problems with Force Awakens, which is is not me, but uh is that Force Awakens was too much of a rehash of a new hope. Um I don't think he's going to do that this time around. I think that was, I mean, Abrams went into Force Awakens and his his purpose of that. What I mean, here's a quote uh, from Slashfilm.com from Abrams: uh, "The Force Awakens was a bridge and a kind of reminder. The audience needed to be reminded that Star what Star Wars is, but it needed to establish with something familiar, with a sense of where we are going." Er, wait that's with a sense of where we are going to new lands which is very much what eight and nine will do so i don't know i think his you know star wars episode nine is gonna be the crazy new worlds and new places and new people it's not gonna be a rehash of return of the jedi what do you guys think
2: yeah i i did like Force Awakens though? I was aware of how similar it was and how much of an ardent homage it was to A New Hope, but I think that Abrams did a really made a really good balance of uh, bringing in that nostalgia factor and of uh, reintroducing it and uh, re I guess rebranding it for a new generation. Um, and well, it's interesting because Colin Trevorrow, um, one of his big um, the big appeal about him was that he brought Jurassic World um, into this new era as well. And it was also a very major uh, nostalgia sort of vehicle, but it successfully brought it into um, a new story with new characters. And so I think that there may be that sort of parallel to like, I don't think that the episode nine will be a complete. Nostalgia rehash, but I think that they will continue, I guess, that through line of nostalgia.
3: I think Abrams was in a tremendously difficult position with The Force Awakens, um, sort of under the gun as far as um, production time, you know, having to write that script as quickly as he and Lawrence Kazan did. And then yeah, deliver something that audiences would love that would completely bring everybody back into the awe and wonder of Star Wars instead of, you know, sort of the bad taste that the prequels left in our mouths. And I think he did an excellent job with that movie. Um, yes, there are plenty of similarities, but I, I do think that he is going to, uh, yeah, th- there, there would be no point to him coming back just to do a rehash of Return of the Jedi. I, I have to think that he is going to, um use his own movie as a as a launch pad and then you know piggyback off of what ryan johnson has done and take it to its natural conclusion point i I don't think i don't even think the last jedi is going to leave the franchise in a position in which it would make sense to essentially remake return of the jedi you know it's from everything we've heard it seems like the last jedi is going to be a pretty divisive film and leave people um you know, wondering about the future of the franchise. So I don't think it's going to be, I don't think that movie is going to be a rehash of Empire Strikes Back. And I certainly don't think that Abrams uh, episode nine is going to be a rehash of Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah. Everybody I've talked to that have seen The Last Jedi says, uh, I mean, almost everybody I've talked to has really enjoyed it. Uh, Lucasfilm is supposedly over the moon with it, but I've um, almost the, the singular thing that I hear in every, everybody is that it's different and uh it's going to probably uh not sit well with some star wars fans it's going to be divisive um uh, that's exciting yeah that is exciting uh but one uh person i know that has seen the movie you know messaged me after this news came up saying that he's happy that jj abram's coming on because he you know didn't like some of the choices that ryan johnson went with so uh so take that for what it what it's worth um,
3: Peter, it's probably worth mentioning, I, I just went back and looked, um, we wrote an article on Slashfilm in January of this year, in which Abrams talked about how he was basically done with making reboots and sort of franchise films. <laughs> um, and I thought the <laughs> quote was worth reading. Now, he said, um, you know, I feel incredibly lucky to have gotten involved in things that I loved when I was a kid. Uh, but I don't feel any desire to do that again. I feel like I've done enough of that that I'm more excited about working on things that are original ideas that perhaps one day someone else will have to reboot. You know, I do think that if you're telling a story that is not moving anything forward, not introducing anything that's relevant, that's not creating a new mythology or an extension of it, then a complete remake of something feels like a mistake. So it seems like he... uh, had to be convinced probably to come back to this based on <laughs> uh, that that statement um but i'm excited about him coming back I, I know people are probably rolling their eyes at this choice but i do think that uh it's going to be a solid movie um at the you know very baseline it's going to be uh, well put together um you know quickly constructed you know like uh strongly constructed and uh we know just you know Abrams has a, a basic competency in filmmaking and an energy that I would prefer to somebody like Stephen Daldry every single day of the week. So um, we know it's going to be an exciting movie, and it's going to be something that Star Wars fans, um, you know, will probably enjoy. I, I don't think that there's uh, that there's much downside to bringing Abrams back on right here. Well,
2: well the yeah, co- I think well, oh, I'm I think well, I- Abrams is a. Sorry,
1: continue. I was just gonna say that the 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 quote from The Godfather uh, comes to mind. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) go on HD. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no problem. I think while Abrams is considered a safe choice, he is not a, as a traditional director as Ron Howard with the, the Han Solo film per se. He is still part of this new generation of filmmakers, um, the post Spielbergs, so to speak. And he's, you know, still he still has a refreshing and uh, different perspective than uh, what Kathleen Kennedy could have gone for, I think, in terms of just like very uh, systemic, very uh, old guard directors.
1: One of the other downsides of J.J. Abrams, I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan, but I've heard this from almost everybody that's worked with him, is that he's always searching for the better idea. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because he can sometimes some of the great things that we've seen in his work are things that he found late into production. But also that results in him notoriously changing things throughout production and then, you know, you get a film like The Force Awakens where it feels like there's moments that are from another draft of the script because, you know, there was reshoots and there's this moment with Han and Ray that they have together that seems kind of weird. And, you know, I don't know, it just seems like uh, that that is kind of a downside to J.J. Abrams, but... um but hopefully he goes into this. And, and the other thing before we get to to writer is, you know, this film was supposed to come out in what? May of uh, 2019? 2019, 2019, 2019. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen now. J.J. Abrams is notoriously, you know, with Force Awakens, he had them pushed back from May to December because he mm-hmm. wanted more time. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to get pushed back to December.
3: Yeah, that, that seems like a safe bet. I would definitely put money on that.
1: What were you going to say, uh, Ben? Sorry.
3: Yeah, that's that's all I was going to bring up, actually, was the the idea that um, Abrams probably needs a little bit more time with this. I would guess that because of his history with The Force Awakens and how that uh, that production came to be. And I mean, if, I think Kennedy famously backed him in that scenario against Bob Iger. Who is the the president or whatever CEO of Disney? And Iger did not want to delay the movie, but uh, Kennedy had Abrams back in that situation, as far as I remember. It is that right, Peter? Yeah, I believe that to be the case. Um, okay, so yeah, I wonder if if she's going to be understanding of of his situation here and you know allow him the time to because uh, that's that's the big thing, right? Is that um, Colin Trevorrow and uh, Jack Thorne were writing this movie. And now it says that Abrams and uh, Chris Terrio are going to be writing the film. But that essentially means that they're going to be starting from scratch, presumably. So all of that work that Trevorrow and Thorne have done is, is probably getting thrown out. So Abrams, I feel like, is going to want some time to rework this thing from the ground up. And, yeah, that's probably going to result in a delayed
1: film. Um, OK, let's talk about the writer Uh chris terrario uh he is going to be co-writing with jj abrams he won an academy award for argo in 2012 he rewrote david s goyer's script for batman vs superman dawn of justice and he co-wrote the story treatment for justice league and did a (laughs) rewrite for ben affleck's the batman which we'll never see or not that version of it anyways um i wouldn't let those last three warner brothers credits uh you know shade this uh i think we just got to look at argo do you know i mean like that's the only thing that we can look at here because the rest of those are rewrites uh what do you guys think of chris
2: yeah i mean he's still an academy award-winning uh screenwriter so he i i'm not a huge fan of the batman v superman and the other uh dc film uh scripts but again he is also a, a rewriter in in those um in those regards. So I wouldn't hold them too much against him. Uh, I don't know much about him outside of Argo and outside of those, uh, DC film scripts, but, uh, if he and Abrams are writing it together, then it could possibly work. Cause Abrams, like you said, is a really great ideas man. And, um, if he has someone who is a good partner in that regard and is able to sort of flesh it out, then it could be, Create a great script. Again, this is very early process, so we don't really know much about it.
3: I'm not crazy about Chris Terrio as a writer. I, I feel like the Oscar-winning screenwriter thing um, lost any sort of credibility when you think that Akiva Goldman is an Oscar-winning screenwriter.
1: So, um, you know, it, it's. <laughs> but what it's... what are your thoughts on Argo?
3: you know Argo is fine it i don't i don't really think it was the best picture of that year and or the best written movie of that year it's just like a fine movie it's a it's a dad movie or something like that that's sort of how i i look at that film um you know it's well constructed but uh, I just didn't really see anything in it that that, you know, jumped out at me as like, holy shit, this is a guy to watch. You know, the, the writer of this movie is like somebody I should really pay attention to. And then, the right you know, you're talking about Justice League and Batman for Superman and all that stuff. I, yeah, I think that those movies are essentially made by committee. So I don't really think that you could point a finger at chris terrio for batman versus superman's faults for example so um it's the bigger question for me is like why isn't lawrence kazan coming back to co-write this with abrams uh, did they do you well, know anything about that relationship peter on um the force awakens because those two produced something or created something that's uh you know fans generally loved with the force awakens i'm wondering why kazan was isn't the uh, the writing partner once again here
1: well i know in the press tour, G. G. Abrams. You know, kept on calling Kazdan his hero, his mentor. You know, whatever, it just compliments. Uh, it seemed like they had a good relationship. I know Kazdan said that he was done with Star Wars or at writing Star Wars after Han Solo, so maybe it's just you know he doesn't want to be stuck in this franchise. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I hadn't heard that. Who, who knows? Yeah, um, an- an- another thing, I I feel like we're gonna all have to revisit uh, Chris Trujillo. wrote and directed a film called heights which uh premiered at the sundance film festival was released i think in 2005 by sony picture classics and it's one of those like you know it follows a pivotal 24 hours and interconnected lives of new yorkers kind of film of like the mid 2000s you know when Mm -hmm. all that was kind of happening it had glenn close elizabeth banks james marsden jesse bradford Isabella Rossellini, a bunch of other people. Uh, I'm not sure if it's any good, but <laughs> I feel like after this announcement, I'm going to have to uh, go check this out. Yeah, um, for sure. So so I guess the real question now is um, how long until J.J. Abrams gets fired? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Do you yeah. think that's a possibility for real?
1: I didn't think it was a possibility of any of these things happening. Uh, I didn't think it was a possibility that Lord and Miller, after they started production, w- you know, two thirds of the way through production, would be removed. So I wouldn't put it put anything past them. But I, I you know, as as much as like you know, it's been said that Kathleen Kennedy and James con- uh, had conflicts uh, on Force Awakens. Th- they were able to work it out. They're both professionals. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, HT, you had a a and a phrasing on this.
2: Oh, what was my phrasing?
1: That um, uh, Yeah, you, your tweet on Twitter. Oh.
2: <laughs> this is a it's a little inappropriate, but my take was, <laughs> um, better a bitch you know than a bitch you don't.
1: <laughs> um, I think there is something to that. Um, yeah. I also did also want to note that uh, Michelle Rajwan uh, it's still on board as producer. Uh, she's someone that uh, kind of started as casting director, uh, d- did some associate producing for bad robot and Clover for, uh, on a uh, super eight and some other films and Colin Trevorrow uh, when he was attacked for the whole uh, male white privilege thing kind of went out of his way in the background to kind of try to hire females uh, around him and, um, and one of them he pushed for was uh, Michelle, who has uh, never produced any, you know, mm-hmm. full-on producer, any film. And she's going to be producing a Star Wars movie for her first film. So it's, it, it's just good that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. J. Abrams are keeping Michelle on as a full producer on Star Wars Episode Nine. I'm glad to see that. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. That's really commendable, Yeah.
1: Okay, guys, so any last thoughts? Do either of you have any hopes, dreams, things you don't want to see from the J.J. Abrams Star Wars Episode Nine?
3: I mean, I have one clear hope, and that it's uh, it's that J.J. Abrams gives us the Poe and Finn love story that we deserve.
1: You know what? (laughs) J.J. Abrams did actually come out after Force Awakens when all that stuff, the Finn-Poe relationship – was kind of uh, taking off and said that he that they should have a gay character on screen in Star Wars. So, uh, if that is not in Star Wars, the last Je- the last Jedi, um, JJ, it's now your turn. You ha- you have the ball. Let's yeah, see. I, mean, I was like kind uh, of
3: joking, but kind of not. That would be pretty sweet.
1: I'd be so. down for that. It's not going to be Poe and uh, Finn. I think in the in the books or comics or something, it's already been canonized that they're uh, not um, gay. But, um, but yes, I know you're joking, but, but you know what? He, he, he did say that he was asked that and he did say that. So who knows? How about you HD?
2: My hope is that Abrams, well, you know how he was saying that he wants to go back to doing original movies and original stories. My hope is that he kind of goes back to his crazy wild ideas that he first pitched back in the Lost pilot episode and just. You know goes wild he doesn't have all those expectations that Force Awakens had of bridging the old and the new now he has only to pick up where Ryan Johnson left off with Last Jedi and hopefully just go ham I want to see crazy J.J. Abrams
3: oh (laughs) and that that reminds me talking about Lost and I know Peter you mentioned that earlier One last thought for me. Um, I wonder if Abrams being, uh, the Abrams that we know, if he's going to leave, maybe even seed new things into episode nine that can get picked up later on, because we're not really sure what the future of the saga movies looks like beyond episode nine, right? I think we've heard some rumblings about that, but Lucasfilm has never outright said, um, you know, this is just going to be a trilogy and then we're stopping this this story at episode nine. Like they could theoretically keep going with another trilogy, you know, locking down Finn, Ray, Poe, uh, Kylo Ren, whoever survives this new trilogy. So I would not be surprised knowing Abrams and the way he loves to um, sort of slowly build mythology and, and plant seeds if uh, he provides a satisfying arc to this trilogy in episode nine, but at the same time, leave some things dangling, um, to potentially continue the story in a new
1: trilogy. oh well, I think you're going to have to leave some things dangling. I, I don't think that we're going to get the literal on the nose cliffhanger, uh, that we got in force awakens. Uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get more of a, a, ending, but, um, and, and you know what, who knows? They might take, you know, they've been doing a star Wars film every two years or star Wars star, uh, Skywalker saga film every two years and I think they they might take a a break from that who knows mm-hmm. we don't know uh my as for my hopes um I hope that there's no Death Star we, we we're done with the Death Star we don't need a Death Star we don't need a Death Planet we don't need a Death Universe uh <laughs> JJ please D- we, we just don't need it um and the other thing is you know there's been a lot of talk about Leia and Carrie Fisher I know part of the uh, the whole Colin Trevorrow, uh, equation is, uh, he couldn't get that aspect of it right. What they're going to do with Carrie Fisher's character, Leia's character, right. Um, you know, they're, they're in a tough situation here. You know, obviously Fisher is not no longer with us. They've said that they don't want to bring her back in CG, kind of like they did with, uh, Tarkin in Rogue One. Um, so it's kind of like you have to explain her absence, while having it off screen or using pre-created material. Um, It's tough. And you know what? It's going to be tough. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I want to see her done right. Um, I don't care if it's CG. I don't care how they put it together. I don't think it's an insult to create a a CG Carrie Fisher. If that's what you have to do to conclude, you know, that character's arc. Like, I want to see it done right. So um, I, I hope they do it right. So, yeah. Um, that's it for today. If you if you enjoyed this podcast, join us every day on Slash Film Daily. You can subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Just search Slash Film Daily. Subscribe. If you like this podcast, give us a re- review on iTunes. And uh, where can we find more of your guys' work? On the internet. HT.
2: You can find me at HTranBui on Twitter, and I'm on SlashFilm, and I have a podcast, The Millennial Falcon, on iTunes.
3: And Ben. You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com, and you can find
1: me on Twitter at Ben Pears. You can find me at SlashFilm on Twitter and obviously on SlashFilm.com. Uh, you can read this story and much more on SlashFilm.com. We'll see you tomorrow.